Well, I want to virtually welcome all of you here to Wildwood Christian Church. My name is Lucas. I'm in North St. Louis. I work with a ministry called Love the Lou. And while Doug has been recovering from knee surgery, we have been working through a very short sermon series called The Gospel. Just one word, and it's the good news of Jesus, what he's done and what he's doing. You guys, Jesus changes everything. He's not dead in a tomb. He's very much alive, and he's still at work in this world, even if we don't see him, even if we don't believe that he exists, he's still working out things for the good. Our God is really good at what he does. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the gospel message. We've looked at the gospel results. And finally, we get to come to a, a part of what we would do as believers, as followers of Jesus. We get to come to our part. We get to talk about what our response should be as Christians. And so today, we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about our gospel response. As we get started, uh, I want to mention that we've been walking through the book of Galatians. If you've had a chance to read through the book of Galatians in one setting, uh, I hope you will notice that this book is packed with gospel message. It's, it's also um, a book where Paul is going to give us several warnings uh, about how we can add to the gospel. And so as we get started this morning, with that in mind, I, I want to uh, just give us three different problems that I think we're going to have when it comes to our gospel response. The first problem that we're going to have when it comes to gospel response is that I think we, we grow tired of the gospel in such a way that we want to add to the work of Jesus. Now, we've been talking about this. We've been walking through Galatians. Uh, this is very much what Paul is talking about in this book. Um, I think that we add our good works to feel like we can accomplish something, and it just doesn't work. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know about your, your home and, and uh, what your house was like this week. But in my home, uh, there was a cadence that happened, uh, a series of statements that happened um, on multiple occasions. And uh, it started with someone coughing. Honestly, uh, sometimes it's, it started with somebody clearing their throat. And then from another room, someone would yell, make sure you wash your hands. I don't know if you've... If you've uh, uh, experienced that this week, uh, but we definitely had that. And then there was a pause, and that same person who was yelling would say, and make sure you use soap, because that has to be clarified in my house. We have people in my house, I won't even mention who they are, but they, they're going and we're washing their hands without using soap. And when we add our works to his, it's very much like washing our hands without using soap. It's, it's getting our hands wet, going through the motions, pretending that we're clean, but not actually accomplishing anything. 
And so the book of Galatians is very much that illustration of washing your hands without soap. He's warning us, and he says in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't, don't take on the law thinking that you're going to accomplish something. Allow Jesus to do all the work. You guys, Jesus changes everything. Like, his work is not only sufficient, it will bring us life. It is truly good news. Second warning that I want to pass along is that I think many of us have used the gospel to really do whatever we want. We'll, we'll fill up on Jesus. We'll, we'll, we'll even put around our home pithy little sayings, scriptures, uh, the word grace above the mantle. But then when it comes to our lives, rather than that penetrating our hearts and changing our actions, what it ends up doing is, is just being this exterior Jesus kind of language without it really truly entering into our hearts and transforming our actions. Uh, Romans says it like this, says in chapter 6, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Uh, we all know the, those families that, that um, are one way around the Christians and another way around themselves, one way around uh, the people that, that really know them and, and another way around the church people. And so I want to challenge all of us to, to allow God to examine our hearts so that we're, we're not hypocrites. We're not wearing a mask that says, oh yeah, the gospel is great, it's good news, and a license then to do whatever I want. A third warning that I want to pass along this morning as we're getting started is that many times I just think that we can fail to see the majesty of God. I think that we often look horizontally we, we begin to listen to just human words, human voices. Whatever the newscasters would say to us, that's the information that we take in and we fail to look vertically. We fail to, to think and to realize that the God that has created the entire universe will speak good news to us in all occasions, wherever we, were at, we are. This God is to be, to be listened to. We're, we're to soak up his words. And so I, I want you to, to know that when we stop listening to him, then the things that we do become obligation. They become like a chore list. It's a checklist. It's a what do I have to do in order to Please him. And, and that inventory of religious motion uh, does not lead to life. Now, this is a church, uh, a church body, Wildwood Christian Church, that traces its roots all the way back to the early 1800s. This, this church got its start in a frontier movement 
Um, and basically the story is, is that as people were settling further and further west in this, in this new land, this, this America, they were forming small towns and villages across the prairie. And denominations of churches would move in quickly so that the Methodist and the Lutherans and the Baptist and, and all of the different subsections of those denominations would, would be able to identify uh, their stake in these small towns. And what had ended up happening, the problem is that uh, people began to be so concerned with what flavor of Christian you were that they forgot about the gospel. They actually left Jesus and began propping up tradition. And so there were a few preachers at this time that began sensing that the Holy Spirit was moving in the same way. And even though they came from different backgrounds, they began to unify. They, they would say uh, that they had no creed but Jesus, that they were only going to look to him, that they were going to, to study the scripture and to find Jesus in the scripture and allow Jesus to lead them. One of those preachers was, was a man named Walter Scott. And from 1827 to 1830, he would ride his horse around to these towns, uh, all, all throughout the Midwest, Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, and he would go into the small towns, and when he'd get to the small town, he would gather all the children together. This was in the daytime, uh, maybe around lunchtime, and he would gather the children together, and he'd say, I want you to hold up your hand. I want you to hold up your hand, and I'm going to give you a five-finger exercise of what I'm going to be talking about tonight. He said, I'm going to talk about hearing the gospel. I'm going to talk about believing the gospel. I'm going to talk about repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to talk about the need to be baptized. And he said, if you and your parents want to hear about this message, you go, you go tell them about this five-finger exercise, and he would teach this, this response to the gospel. And uh, guys... Great things happened out of this movement. Great things are happening out of this movement. People returned to Jesus. They, they surrendered their lives. Thousands of churches have been planted around the world from this restoration movement. And that five-finger exercise has been passed down for 200 years. Some of you have learned it. Some of you learned how to respond to Jesus from this. However, I do think there's a problem that we need to talk about. I think at times we're prone to skip over hearing the gospel. We're prone to skip over all of the work that Jesus has done so that we can get to the, the good stuff of what we get to do. And so essentially what we end up doing is, is making this a checklist. Have you done this, 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 this? All right, you're good. It becomes a chore list. It becomes an obligation that if we do these things, we'll be all right with God. And the gospel is that it's His work that is the good news. And that we respond according to this good news. If you, if you turn to the first book of the New Testament, you'll find that uh, the author is Matthew. And if you read the title... It will say the gospel according to Matthew. It doesn't say that Matthew is the gospel. It will say the gospel according to Matthew. The second book is Mark, but it's, it's the gospel according to Mark. Today you're hearing a gospel according to Luke, not the one in the Bible. You're, you're hearing a gospel according to Lucas. The gospel is, is being written on my life 
and I'm responding to it. I'm not living the gospel, I'm living according to the gospel. And so today, what I get to do, and I'm really excited about doing this, is I actually want to, to reshape the way we would think of a five-finger exercise. And I want to give you, rather than a checklist, I want to give you a rhythm, a daily rhythm that you can live out according to the gospel. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you, de- if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And then he continues on in the next chapter. I love it. He says, says, let us bear each other's burdens. The rhythm that I want to give you today is simply this. It's three steps. It's it's you sitting in the presence of God. If you're kneeling, if you're standing, wherever you are, you're recognizing your position towards God. And then we're turning our hands and we're placing them and we're surrendering our lives. We're, We're handing over any sin that we have. We're handing over anything that is of the flesh of this world. We're saying, take it. And finally, we open up our hands again. And we say, God, speak to me. Reveal to me who I need to be, where I need to go, what I need to do. And we receive from God. And you know what the next step is? To stand in his presence again. To repeat every single day. So that this gospel message would be would be pushing us forward and that step by step by step by step that we're taking is in his spirit not in our own works and flesh that means that we need to hear the gospel daily and uh, i've got a special guest this morning that's going to give us a a good news word all right so i want to uh introduce to this stage listen to that crowd that was a little joke for all of you that are home and starting to tune out uh, uh, Jamel Williams is going to come and give us some good news. So, Lucas is talking about the gospel and how the gospel is good news. 
And so basically for my life, as we all know, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. Um, I've been through so many struggles in my life, facing poverty and going through so many different challenges in my life to where I felt hopeless and I felt like I didn't have anything to um, have a strong foundation to keep me strong. And so through it all, Jesus has done so much in my life by providing opportunities, loving and caring people to uh, help support me. And I believe that Jesus is still working in my life to teach me the things that I need to know so that I can be an example and to live out the gospel every single day. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 2.8, uh, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is from the gift of God. And I think that is good news that even though we go through struggles or we face uh, temptation, that we can always rely on that gospel and that, that good news, uh, that knowing that God can help us uh, through our struggles. And so before I knew about the gospel or knew about spiritual life, I really didn't know much about uh, the gospel or about the love of Christ. And so I believe that I'm growing spiritually and becoming more of the person who I, uh, who I need to be rather than who I want to be. So becoming who I need to be is a lot more important because I can help other people to learn more about the gospel and to just, just to learn how to really, uh, you know, put God's words in their life every single day. And as of now, I'm continuing to learn more about the scriptures and I'm growing each and every day. So that's my good news for my life. Jesus changes everything. The rhythm that I want you to see is that this gospel, this good news, has to be preached to us daily. That we accept it, that we die to ourselves, we deny ourselves, but that we then deploy out as servants, that he speaks to our identity. Lamentations starts off by saying this uh, in chapter 3. He, it's, it's just 20 verses of woe is me. I am a man that has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven me. It's, it's a dark time. There is no light around me. He continues on and then he gets to verse 21 and he says, Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion and therefore I will wait for him. Did you catch that? Every morning he's bringing about new mercies. Every day he's bringing a new sermon to your life and to your heart. Are you listening? Are you spending time each day ready ready to capture what it is that God is speaking to you. The first step that we will ever take in response is not a step at all. It's just standing. It's just sitting in his presence. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Guys, Jesus is putting this world back together. He's not going to stop until he's finished. How have you seen God reveal himself to you today? What are the new mercies that you see today? What new aspects of his word are you learning? What does it look like for you to draw close to him, to rest in him, to allow him to speak to your soul? This morning I want you to experience a new rhythm. 
And let me just say, really candidly, I don't think there has been a better time in our lives to draw close to God. We live in a country that is constant distraction, and it's almost overnight gone. There's no sports. We can't go out. We, we're, we're confined to, to sit. Some of us are, are without work even to distract us. How is God speaking in this time? How is he revealing himself to you? I mean, if we're to be honest, like some of you need to be reminded that today is Sunday. <laughs> Just because it, every day is kind of bleeding into the next. What if we approached this time as a special revelation from the Lord that we're ready to hear from him? Next, next thing I want us to do is to turn over ourselves, to die to self, to begin letting go of our sin, surrendering everything. Once again, when you think about this as a step, this isn't a step forward, something that I'm doing that's going to, to climb a ladder. This is actually dying so that he can raise us up again. You guys, we... When we stand in the presence of God and we are seeking Him, there's two things that are going to begin happening to our identity. One is that He's going to pull us out of our sin, out of our mess. He's going to be taking us from darkness to light. The other is that He's going to be putting in a new heart, making us a new creation. It brings about maturity. I, I used to think that real maturity in Jesus... Uh, meant that you had gray hair. I, honestly, when I, was, when I was young, everybody that had gray hair, I thought, man, they are close to God. Uh, for the, those that were bald, I thought, man, they, they've met God. You know, like th that, that was real maturity. Like if you went from gray to bald, like you were a super Christian. The, the more that I grow the more that I, that I begin to understand the heart of God, the, 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 the more it's different in my understanding of maturity. You guys, I wrote this down. I said the true measure of Christian maturity is how you repent. It's not how much you know. It's how much you realize you don't know, how much you need God. If you want to respond daily, you're going to need to surrender daily. You will need to repent of sin daily. You will confess your sins openly. So much so that Satan will have nothing on you because it's all out in the open. There is no darkness hiding in your life. It's all in the light. You guys, I want to I challenge you. Give up your sin. Don't chase down those things of the flesh. They're not worth it. It's not going to bring about life. Some of you have tried. Some of you have chased down all of those things that, that were a checklist that Paul mentioned, and nothing has filled you up. Jesus will. Jesus will change you. Let me share one quick resource that I have found helpful when it comes to repenting, and this is something... Uh, that I, I want to share with you. There will be a link somewhere uh, on there. I believe Elliot said, and I quote, he said, at this point, just start clicking stuff. 
okay? So there should be a link somewhere around there to an article by World Harvest Mission that says six ways of minimizing sin. Six ways that we often choose to, these are pathways that we often go down rather than repenting. And so this has been very convicting for my life. I actually have this posted in my office because as I'm trying to daily respond to this gospel, if I don't repent, I'm going to end up choosing one of these ways. Whether it's uh, blame, blaming somebody else, hiding my sin, trying to, to downplay it. Take a look real quick at that. Click that link, pause this video, and, and see what are you most prone to do rather than repent. The second thing that, that I think we need to do is we need to give up on our worldly pursuits. We need to actually deny ourselves in such a way that we would say, God, you've done so much for me. What can I do for you? How can I sacrifice? What would it look like for me to, to serve others, to wash feet? Um, there's a guy that, I, that I've uh, been following. He's a preacher named Francis Chan. Uh, and uh, his story is fascinating to me because about 20 years ago, Francis, uh, with his wife, they planted a church out in California, and it, and it blew up became this really big mega church, and, uh, and he's a very charismatic leader, and people followed him, and he began to write a few books. Um, and as he was writing those books, people read them, and they sold you know, lots and lots of copies. He became like a best-selling author. And so he got offered to, to speak, and, and he got so big in the Christian world that his books and his speaking gigs began to pay for his salary to where he could work for the church for free. And he got to a point a few years ago where he felt God calling him away from that lifestyle, from being like a superstar popular Christian leader, to giving that all up and moving to LA uh, to, to plant a series of house churches and to work with neighbors that hadn't heard the gospel. And then recently, um, like this month, uh, he has felt God calling him to leave the United States and to serve amongst the poor in the country of Myanmar. And he is laying it all down. He's 50-something years old, and uh, he's surrendering everything, this Christian fame that he's built here, surrendering it all because there's people who need to hear the gospel. And if you get a chance uh, in, these in this next week, I would encourage you, there's some, there's some videos out uh, recently of some sermons that as he's leaving the states, he's just challenging us as Americans to say, this is what it looks like to surrender. And the reason that he's surrendering is because Jesus is so worth it. It's not comfortable. It's not something that, that he thinks is going to gain him popularity with God or with man. It's just a faithfulness to the worthiness of God. When we come face to face with a holy, righteous, creator God, we begin to realize that, that these, these few years that we have on earth, they're a quick breath. And that 
our faithfulness, the way that we are able to give back, is, is an offering to be able to say, God, you deserve it. You're worthy. Last thing I would say is that our hands go up and that we get the opportunity to deploy as servants, that God gets to speak to our identity. In the next two weeks uh, for our ministry, there's going to be a, a few major problems that are going to happen. We've already begun uh, working as a team down at Love the Lou and, and in North St. Louis, being working with neighbors. And what we're discovering is that, that the neighbors that did have jobs, um, those jobs are the ones that are drying up the fastest. And I know that, that we're all experiencing uh, a great deal of crisis. Uh, but for, for my neighbors, um, this is kind of like treading water and then having a crisis. And so many of them will begin to, to drown in uh, the suffering that's happening. And, and the relief will need to be there. Do you know who is going to be responsible for bringing that relief? I know Jesus is going to do it, but do you know who he's going to use? It's going to be the church. You guys understand, like, because of who we are, we now were built for a time like this. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. We are the most generous. The governments, the world leaders, they can't do that. They can't figure out how to get that into their DNA because it's not there. But Jesus, he, he makes us generous people. He calls us out of the acts of the flesh, the works of the flesh. You guys, the church isn't a building. It's not a live streaming online event. It's the people of God on mission. How awesome is this? That in a time where everybody's pulling their hair out and they're saying we're freaking out, we're living by fear, we can have a peace that passes understanding. So much so that some of you have already begun to pour your lives out into those that are most in need. This is good news, and it's a result of the gospel. This is who we are, and this is how we get to respond. You guys, Jesus changes everything. Some of you will bring good news through healthcare. Some of you are going to be able to give time, money, resources. Some of you are going to open your homes in the next few weeks to the sick and, the, and those that are infected. Some of you will dive deep into this good news. You'll find fresh ways to teach. You'll find ways to encourage. Some of you will end up writing notes and letters and, and surrounding those that you feel need to be lifted up. Some of you will not stop praying until God has moved in the very specific way that you're asking and expecting. So who's he calling you to be? What's he calling you to do? Not that, not that we're trying to impress him or impress others, but that we can live a life of faithfulness. You guys, will you pray with me? And I'm going to read our prayer today. Oh God, you are my God. I'm ever going to praise you. I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways. Step by step you lead me, Spirit. And I will follow you all of my days. Jesus, as a church, I'm praying you would raise us up for such a time as this. 
you would speak to us over and over our identity in you. And that as a called people, we would learn how to be the church during this time. We would learn like even, uh, even more depth to having a relationship with you that's not, not, not built on any crutch that we've, we've made it, but just completely looking to you. God, you are holy, and we want you in our lives today. We invite you, Spirit, to come. We pray this in your name. Amen.